Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mikey Aaronworth, signing on to the Sign Off, a Frameworth podcast for yet another week. It is the forum for all the stories you didn't know you wished you knew about the world of sports and sports marketing. And in this week, something a little bit different, which we'll get into in a little bit. We've got our guest there on the screen who I'm going to introduce in a second uh, until we do doing a great job of waiting his turn to speak. Not all guests do this. Uh, Give him the little thumbs up. I've known this guy for a long time. But before I introduce him, uh, as we always do, a quick shout out to all of you who have gone on to iTunes and Spotify to give us a rating or a review. Just a reminder, if you're listening on Spotify, you can now give ratings for the podcast. So if you haven't yet, give us that five-star rating. It really goes a long way. Uh, but on iTunes, we had a new review come through from Hockey Collectors Podcast. That is the name. Not sure of the email, but the review, five stars on Apple iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. Brian and Mikey Aaronworth have awesome guests that offer helpful insights for collectors, as well as some fantastic behind-the-scenes stories. They have a clear passion for helping others and building up the hockey community. Uh, thank you so much for that review. That's what we're here to do. You know, Shed a little bit of light on this corner of the realm of sports that not a ton of people know a, a, a ton about. Uh, so if that was your review, please reach out to us sign off pod at frameworth.com you've got 30 days from the launch of this episode and we will get out to you a signed 8 by 10 photo to be determined we'll, we'll get a feel for some of your favorite uh, teams how about that dealer's choice uh but speaking of dealers and choosing some things to bet on we have a very interesting guest interesting in a lot of different ways that i'm going to introduce here he's a great friend a partner in the sad styles production podcast network and has been hosting engineering and promote, promoting a sports gambling podcast of his own for over a year and a half uh, today i sit down with podcast and sports aficionado andrew bascom oh hey mikey how you doing not too bad not too bad andrew this is uh look a little bit of a peek behind the curtains for for okay. the listener here sad styles productions you you you'd recognize that if you've listened mm-hmm. to any episode of this podcast the beginning of this podcast starts with it what is sad mm-hmm. styles productions well it was a it was a dream it was a dream that you and i had that we started yes. quite a while ago uh we have quite a few podcasts under that umbrella um one of which is your podcast it's losing mm-hmm. money with andrew bascom and it's a sports gambling podcast that listen i'm not a huge fan of sports gambling i don't do it very often i often lose when i do it uh ah. therefore when i listen to your podcast i there absolutely love it the only time i don't lose is is when i listen to yours so uh <laughs> first of all andrew um a, a quick question because i want to get to know you and i want our listener to get to know you you and okay. i have known each other for more or less our entire lives barely friends from a young age mm-hmm. uh tell me a, a little bit about yourself you know i i know we want to talk gambling but uh yes. how about how about a little bit of uh, a lean in with collect you know, this is a podcast that's often focused on collecting, sure. sports collecting. Do you have any history with collections, collecting sports or otherwise? Well, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, talk about peek behind the curtain. It's, you know, being family friends with with you and your family and, and your co-host, uh, you know, it was easy to become a collector because of the access that you guys had to so many incredible things. And so at a pretty young age... Your dad for for my birthday or, or you know whatever occasion would come up, there would all of a sudden be like a little Wayne Gretzky thing every once in a while, and all of a sudden my bedroom had been filled by every square inch uh, with Wayne Gretzky <laughs> memorabilia, every square inch with Wayne Gretzky memorabilia, and really cool stuff too, like LA Kings signed jerseys and uh, the 99ers tour when they were on lock uh, when they were on lockout, excuse me, and uh, and they they traveled and did a barnstorming tour. They had, I had an Indianapolis Racers jersey from the WHA, uh, really yes. really crazy cool stuff. So. It was so weird because it was such a part of my life as a child 
that you grow up and you're like, oh, this is just normal. And then people would come over and just like sauce ride, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's funny because I have, I have such a similar experience growing up. Collecting was just in my, like, in my little kid mind, I, I just yeah. thought that every everyone collected, everyone had like a Wayne Gretzky thing here and there because I, I grew up with it, you know, and, and thanks to my dad, who I should mm-hmm. mention is not joining us on this podcast right. today. He's usually the co-host, but he's he's on vacation. He he had oh, okay, enough. Good. And it's oh, funny because before he went on this vacation, he uh, 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 was very vocal about the fact that he had had enough with Toronto for the time being. He was very excited to get away. Uh, so yeah. he's he's leaving us for this week, potentially next week. We're not bothering him as we uh, as we move forward with with this podcast for at least the next week or so. Uh, but go. yeah, he would come home. Same sort of thing with me. You know, he would he would have these these kinds of items. And I remember your place. And this is this has to be driving some of our collectors a little bit nuts. With regards to the fact that you started off with basically like the creme de la creme of collector's memorabilia. The 99ers jersey is one that people are, it's still highly sought after. The racers jersey especially is one that we've talked about a ton on this podcast. What ended up happening to those, uh, to those items? Do you remember? They, you know, after my parents uh, moved out of our childhood house, eventually they just, you become an adult that like lives. We I live in downtown Toronto, and you you have an apartment, and you're kind of like, what am I going to do with this? You know, like right. you know, and unless you really jump down with two feet and like commit yourself, which so many of your guests have done, and they've done such a good job of making it look amazing. Yes. Mine would have looked so like <laughs> so weirdly tacked on. Like, <laughs> here's your collection of vinyl, and then there is a there's a jersey from the 1970s when uh, we <laughs> played in Indianapolis. You're like, what is this? You know. Um, so eventually, I departed with some of the stuff and. Uh, I've held on to a couple of pieces, but uh, eventually, eventually they'll make their way in when I have more of a an anchored uh, anchored home setting. Let's say that is is there anything else that you would ever <laughs> uh, uh, got into collecting? Was it was it more just having these and 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 having these kind of given to you, and and therefore you had a collection? Because a lot of the people that we've spoken to, we talked to Mike Wilson last week on the podcast, right. the Ultimate Leafs fan, with with a Leafs collection that sold for uh, multi million dollars to to wow. uh, a museum yeah. in, in Ottawa. Uh, go back last uh, to listen to last week's episode if you haven't already. But his first item was a gift that was given to him, a game used Carl Brewer stick that had been signed by the rest of the team. Mm. And that's what got him into collecting. But yeah. you guys kind of took two different paths because I, I don't think you're not as as big into the realm of collectibles nowadays, are you? Right. No, I, I think I fight my natural uh, hoarding tendencies. And I, I fear that if I don't like have a fine <laughs> grip on it, it'll all of a sudden be like, I will drown in the stuff that I think I enjoy, like yes. shoes or hats or something right. like that. You know what I mean? Um, those things that like, I, I've never, I can never do the thing where I purchase something and go like, this is really good. And then I put it in a box and I put it away. Yes. And I go, no one will ever see this again. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I can never, I can never get my head around that. Whereas so many people, which is re- really required to do a lot of the stuff to make it as valuable as possible. Uh, or you go the other way and you become one of the Paul brothers and take something very valuable and put it in a clear case around your neck for the rest of your life. <laughs> You're talking about things. the, uh, the Charizard <laughs> Pokemon card is uh, Logan yes. Paul, I think, uh, walked into one of his boxing matches with that. And it's funny because I was going to bring this up, like starting your collection off with signed Wayne Gretzky jerseys that the, the variety that you have is almost like the first pack of Pokemon cards. If, if you're a collector out there that collects Pokemon cards or, or knows about them, the yeah. first card you pull out is a holographic Charizard or something like you're getting the creme de la creme. I, I don't, I don't know why on a sports collecting podcast, I just used a <laughs> metaphor about Pokemon. Um, yes. uh, but you probably don't understand collecting. Let me talk to you about Pokemon cards. <laughs> 
Uh, that does speak to something that I did want to bring up here too. Uh, sure. If if you're wondering, as the listener, uh, why Andrew and I are getting on so well, we actually do have another podcast that we do together. It's called the Retrograde. It's a video yes. game podcast. That's where my nerdy tendencies come out. We've referenced it on this on this uh, uh, podcast a couple times before. So if you're interested, yeah. go check that out. Uh, we 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 each have have quite a few uh, podcasts that we we've got our, our our hands in now. And I figured, you know, what what better time to get Andrew on and and talk a little bit of sports memorabilia and then game. Gambling, which I, I do Gambling. want to get into in a little bit, but I have sure. this question though because you you unlike some of our other guests kind of moved away from from the the realm of collecting, and we've talked to a ton of people who oftentimes are like, yeah, I would love to order another piece, uh, but I just don't have any space on the wall. So every time they order oh. something, either from us or from someone else, they just tuck it away in a closet or something. And to them, that's collecting. Knowing they have it is 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 just as good. Mm-hmm. But you went in a different direction. Where did that energy go? You know, like you mentioned fighting that hoarding mentality in regards to sports. Did you put it into anything else was or or were you just always kind of, you know, the jerseys on your wall and the sports on TV? Those were two separate things. I, I, I think they are like they really they really are two different experiences. It's not it's I never got the feeling. I also think I also really do believe that I was just too spoiled. As a kid, I got mm. it too, too early. I didn't feel that grind. And the way, like, if somebody just helicoptered me to the top of Everest, it's not like I did it. <laughs> I did it, crushed it. I, I, oh, I remember this journey forever. It's, you know, my first car is somebody tosses me a Lamborghini keys and I'm like, well, I guess I'm good for cars now. Yes. I, I think part of that is it. Whereas that, you know, you get, uh, something as an, as an introductory piece and you build that up. I think the process is really the, the fun part. So I think I lost that part. So it never, it never caught me like it would be if I was like, you know, it was first Carl Brewer and then it was Tim Horton and then, you know, right. whatever, you know, so, um, you know, I, I wonder what it is. I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a really big live experiences guy. I, I love going to games. I love theater. I love these kind of things where it's actually introductory. And I think if I was going to take that, you know, let's be real monetary value that, that is required for the, the collection, I think I'm using it towards those single oh, live experiences. Sure. And I, you know, and then if anything, I'm collecting, I'm collecting like, you know, like the badges and the tickets and stuff like that. And I've got yeah. a little like, uh, you know, a little uh, binder that I keep them all in and stuff like that, even though like, I'm not sure I would go back and look, but I knowing they're there makes me happy. So I relate to that in some some way. That's interesting. And and my dad and I talk all the time about how in our houses we don't really have any pieces of memorabilia. It's more about the experiences that we've had or like a photo <laughs> that we took with some someone. Um good call. But yep. but as far as sports go, like you by no means stepped away from sports. Of of all <laughs> of the people I know, you may be the most uh, in tune with sports as like a like capital S sports uh, of of anyone. Um, wow, hockey hockey is 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 big for you. I mean, we're oh, we, yeah. we are primarily a hockey company. You're mm-hmm. you're a, a, a diehard Leafs fan as well. Let me yeah. ask you this before we get into a little bit more. Um, based on where you were at the end of the playoffs last year with yeah. the Leafs and yeah. where we are now, are you drinking the Kool Aid? Are you back in? Were you one of the fans that was like, I don't care what happens, I'm not watching this this team anymore? Because a lot of people were saying that. Oh, a, t- a ton of people were saying that. I, you know, obviously th- there's been years and years and years of devastating losses. And I think the problem is, is all, th- all that is compounded on the, on the, on the, the backs of the current administration and the current players and stuff like that. And most of them aren't even 25 years old. And, and really the people that are complaining about certain parts of the Leafs, you know, these players weren't even born when the, most of these things happened. And yet we love to just shovel it on top of them. And so when these kids are 23, 24 years old and we're like, they blew a 3-1 lead in the first round, trade them all. And yeah. It's like, and it's just, this is what has made the Toronto Maple Leafs bad for so long is just this short patience, just toss, toss out the baby with the bathwater over and over and over again and let somebody flourish through somebody else. 
you know, I, I, Mitch Marner drives me crazy too. Uh, <laughs> Nylander drives me crazy. Austin Matthews. Oh my God. They, they all can drive you crazy from time to time. But anytime you trade one of them, you're not getting Mitch Marner, Nylander, right. Austin Matthews back. I just think everyone, and this is the hardest thing in the world to do, to tell someone from Toronto, to, sell, to tell a Maple Leafs fan from anywhere in the world, but you need to relax. We need to, we need to see this through. We need to at least give them more shots. And, and, you know, and I get that. Like, I, I understand people don't like Kyle Dubas for some reason, or they don't like Sheldon Keefe for some reason, but like, they're two of the winningest, you know, people in their positions by their age in NHL history. We need to be able to see this through. Exactly. So that's, exactly. That's my answer. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, I think it's very easy to look, uh, in more of sort of a short sighted way at, at some of the, the best players and expect the most from them and get the most upset when they don't deliver to those levels. Mm -hmm. And as a sports memorabilia company, we actually deal with something very similar in the sense that we are an NHL licensee and we work directly with a lot of the players, a lot of, a lot of the teams. So we're put under this microscope and held to a little bit more of a higher level of scrutiny so that we don't do anything wrong. We know there are companies out there that will photocopy images, for example, and get them signed. Mm. Uh, not, not yeah. maybe not even companies, but individuals. But those sure. will never show up on the NHL NHL's radar. But for us, if we mess up one thing, like forget to pay royalties on something, or use an image right. in an incorrect way, or don't get it properly approved through the right channels, we're the first ones that people go to. It's almost like there's a certain level of expectation that's set by playing to a certain standard and now mm -hmm. you can't go and it's like if 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 any of those players that you mentioned played on the fourth line and they were getting you know six eight ten minutes a game or something like that uh yeah. and, and weren't performing at the same levels we wouldn't be talking about this but especially in toronto people just have such a propensity to demand the most from everyone at all times well, yeah, and it's not even, you know, it's not even Toronto sometimes. It's not even, excuse me, the line that they play or the salaries they make. If they were playing for Columbus, you know, I think people would right, be like, wow, right. have you seen this guy? He's pretty good, you know, but, yes. you know, what what you're asked for here, you know, like, you know, we get made fun of. I'm, I'm born and raised in Toronto, and I understand that there, like, is a certain amount of, like, center of the universe stuff that, uh, other people don't like about it. And, I, and trust me, Deservedly I so. I mean, we deserve I'm, to be the center. Of the, I mean, we're in Toronto I'm, after all. Like, what do you expect? I, what am I supposed to live in Winnipeg? Get out of here. You know, it's, it's that I, I totally understand the idea that like if I had to turn on TSN, I turn on the same sports center that everyone else turns on and they run with the right. leash no matter whether they're good or bad. That would drive me crazy if I lived anywhere. Yes. So I totally understand yes. that. But you have to also understand there's, you know, 8 million people that live in the GTA and the expectations are just a little bit higher. So that's what it is. Exactly. I mean, I wanted to kind of get that uh, that perspective from you, get a little bit of insight into your uh, interpretation and expectations from the team, because I wanted you to to sort of speak about your knowledge of, of sports. Sure. Without that knowledge, you never would have been able to run a sports gambling podcast. Now, we right. mentioned it before. It's Losing Money with Andrew Bascom is the name of it. I'd love mm -hmm. to know a little bit more about, because I actually don't know if I know this about you. Okay. You had to have started gambling at some point. Right. What is your history yeah. with sports gambling? Yeah, I uh, I have always loved. I'm I'm a very competitive person by nature, and I think that's inherently where most people's gambling or interest in gambling comes from. Uh, whether you want to be the smartest person in the room or you want to win at everything, or you know, there's a reason why a lot of athletes have you know uh, interest in gambling. I'll say um, sure. is because they're used to being competitive and being right and 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 you know it's great because what makes gambling whether sports gambling cards whatever you want to flip quarters against a wall you want to do whatever <laughs> there's a certain amount of randomness to it that makes it fun because if you are michael jordan a famous gambler uh and you're gambling at basketball which i that's am not a lot of, 
Yes, you are. And you're, you're very good at basketball. <laughs> and, uh, is it, you know, people are always like, who's the goat? LeBron? Mikey? Michael Jordan? I don't know. Probably. Is that, yeah. uh, probably. It could be any of them. Is that, you know, you, if it was just basketball, it's not fun. He's trained his whole life to be good at basketball and he's very good at basketball. There's a certain element of randomness that makes it fun because, you're kind of chasing that dragon. And, and so uh, at a young age, I was very competitive and it, that never went away. And, and it kind of got funneled into odds and numbers. And uh, I was a pretty active kid, like especially when, when, I was, when I was growing up, the internet was growing up with me. And, you know, we had a computer in like the kitchen, which I don't know why computers were always in kitchens. But, uh, you know, reading early people on the internet, speaking about gambling, there was like this code that was like, you don't talk about it, but we all know it's happening kind of thing. And you wanted to be part of the cool group of like, I know what's going on. You know, like I know when the announcer goes, Ooh, some people are going to be upset about that because they lost oh, by yeah. six and not seven like that. You wanted to be part of that cool thing. So, and that was always something that I tried to be, uh, be a part of even at a young age. It's funny at, at, at a young age, similarly hearing things about that, uh, all I cared about, like, I, I feel like one of the reasons I never got into gambling myself is because I already care so much about the teams that I watch in an unreasonable way. And I'm not saying that yeah. you don't, but yeah, I'm already gambling with my emotional currency in, in an irre- irreconcilable way. And if I put yeah, money yeah, yeah, on yeah. it as well, it would drive me nuts. So whenever I'd be watching a sports event or a movie would reference like covering the spread or something like that, mm-hmm. I, fundamentally, I could not wrap my head around why you would care if a team won by one point, three points, six points, or sixteen points, as long as the team won, right? So that yeah. was that was something that I found just completely uh, baffling. But I do like that idea of knowing that there's something more to it and getting into it. Did you like your your relationship with gambling on sports specifically? Because sure. you mentioned that it can be more about the competition, right, and and that mm-hmm. competitive edge. Do you feel like gambling has an impact on your enjoyment of a game? If it's like a home team that you're rooting for, or do you find that you only really need it to increase the level of enjoyment if it's two teams that you might not care so much about? You know, it's it's funny because there, there are many different types of gamblers out there, right? And I, I like to think I'm somewhere in the middle. There are these people that you can call like mushes or or squares or whatever. And that's the general guy that uh, that will bet his 20 bucks on Sunday because he's like, you know, Tom Brady's really good. And he just bets yes. 20 bucks on Tom Brady. And that's just what it is. That person is a bad gambler, right? Because they're betting with their heart and they're just they're just kind of influenced by a narrative going on outside. And they're just, that's sure. what it is. There are people on the other side called sharps or you know whales or whatever it is that are usually analytically driven. They're number driven and they bet a lot, large sums of money. And I excuse me when I say a lot is not a lot of bets. It's a lot of money on a very little amount of bets because really right. bad gamblers will spread out $5 on 30 bets, kind of guaranteeing themselves that they'll never win money, but they're ha- but they're in for the action, right? We like to think that, you know, or I've always thought that I like to be somewhere in the middle where I can't escape the fact that you're like, oof, Tom Brady, tough guy. I don't want to bet against him. That's tough. But at the same time, you know that on the road in the last five years, when the temperature's at a certain thing, he's not been this good at that. You try and take away the narrative. So, you know, I, I like to think that I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. So when it comes to like home teams, there's a large policy about usually a lot of people will say like, well, I don't bet on my team. I don't bet in games involving my team because right. really right. a large people, people gamble because they want to make a game fun. So the San Jose cracking game at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, whereas I would have never watched it. Somebody puts $10 on and all of a sudden they are excited about a game that they would have never excited for. I don't need to be excited about a Leafs game. I got enough going on with that. But if you think you are somewhere in the middle of taking this somewhat seriously, you can do both. You can go like, 
I also think this game is going to go over four and a half uh, pucks. Then you put it away and then you can cheer for your own team. You know, if, if see, I, 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 it totally does. And I, I've heard that theory before of some people who purposely bet on the games that they have an emotional interest in, they almost bet the opposite of how they yes. want it to go so yeah. that they have something to feel good about if things go the other way. Even my dad was taught, you know, huge Pittsburgh Penguins fan, obviously, yeah. you know, our framework's relationship with Sidney Crosby and his family and a lot of other players on, on the Penguins as well. Mm-hmm. I remember during their Stanley Cup runs, he, you know, him just saying out of nowhere, like, should, should I just put money on, on, on the Detroit Red Wings just in case this happens? And I feel he ultimately didn't, but it's just that thought of like, just to outweigh this emotional uh, gambling that you're already putting on it in, in, in the case of Frameworth, not just emotional yeah. because well, there is the money of, of the company and, and, and the, the knowledge and experience there um there is a term for that it's it's called hedging and so what you do is it's called emotionally hedging you hedge bets so if i have a a a big parlay let's say i have a i have a bet on uh you know it's pittsburgh penguins to win the stanley cup and they get to the finals and they're going to play detroit i could win all this money and it's like oh my god do you let it ride or do you hedge the bet and take a small bet against detroit so that no matter what happens you've made money because if I bet $10 on Pittsburgh, let's say they were really bad. Like a, that famous story with that St. Louis guy. They were the worst team in the league. He bet $250. He's up to win $10,000. Right. Well, if I bet $1,000 because they're in the finals, I'm now going to make more than I did for the 250 Or if Pittsburgh wins, now I win $10,000. And either way, I win. So like there right. is, there, hedging is a real thing. Emotional hedging is the opposite where I go, I'm going <laughs> to, the Leafs are playing the Blues. I'm going to cheer for the Leafs. I'm going to bet on the Blues. So either way, I win. But the way I see that is either way, you lose. <laughs> like either way, you you're lose. sad. <laughs> Yeah. Do you now? Here's here's a question. Then, do you sure. do you like gambling on mm. sports because you like sports or because you like gambling? Uh no, be, because I because I like sports. I'm not gambling on things I don't care about. I'm not gambling on right. cricket. I'm not gambling on you know like there was that d- dark period during the pandemic. No, not the no, not the <laughs> disease and loss of life. Uh, the part <laughs> where sports stopped and uh, and you had nothing to gamble on. Uh, and you had so many people like, uh, I'm betting on Dagestani soccer. Have you guys heard about this? It's like, no. Yes. And why in the world? Like, at that point, we should just be betting on what the color of the next car passing by is, you know? And right. um, there is a difference of those interests. And so I will bet on the things. I, you know, it, it's it's no it, it's also no coincidence that the sports that I care the most about are ones that I feel the most knowledgeable about and think I can apply the most amount, most amount of influence into my bets as well. I love football. I love hockey. I love basketball. I love baseball. So it's easier for me to think, well, because I know about it, I probably will do better, right? Well, so here's a question for you then. Uh, I, I've had this conversation with you as well. Some sports appear to be more predictable than others. I mean, baseball being the one that seems to be the most stats driven, for example. Sure. Never, never mind your knowledge of the sport. What do you think is the most consistent or predictable sport to bet on? Or does that even exist? It, it doesn't exist. You know, like we're talking about. So a successful better wins 50, 56% of the time. That is a successful right. better. And, and that feels so, so paper thin. And so it's really in the margins. But at the same time, you know, you know, I'll make this really introductory just in case anyone at home has never bet. But what will happen is, you know, if you're betting on the outcome of game, win or loss, it's called a money line. And what they'll right. do is they'll say in American odds, they'll set the odds at like minus 110. So you're doing that. So minus means it's the favorite, plus means it's the underdog. So and an easy way of doing this is pluses and minuses is you always use like $100 as an example. If I if it's minus 200, I need to bet $200 to make 100 if it's minus 200. The opposite the opposite can be true as well. That you're like I this is the biggest long shot, so I have the the opportunity to win the most amount of money or is right. it the most consistent of saying the best teams win all the time? 
But then at the same time, the reason I bring up the money line and the percentages is so in basketball, that's the most that's the most top heavy sport. Usually the favorites at the beginning of the year are the favorites that are doing very well at the end of the year. But right. the sports books, the places that set the odds will make it so that it's very difficult to make money on the good teams because they know they're going to be good. Right. Right. I think the best way of making money right now is combat sports. Um, and, you know, that feels like it has the biggest you know variance sometimes. But at the same time, for the most part, good fighters win most of the time. And right, right. Uh, because of the short outcomes of these games, you can flip them very, 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 very fast. And so you can say this, this fighter is a very good, so like, let's say it's an MMA fighter. This fighter is a submission fighter. He wins often. He goes to decision often. Well, that's great. Now we can bet him to win not, not only the match, we can win by submission. And those odds are usually you know offset a little bit. He's minus 200 right. to win, but he's plus 200 to win by decision. That is a consistent way in that, in that model of showing profit over, over a long term. Now, I, I, I want to ask you these questions because, uh, especially the one about the different sports, because I know sure. on your podcast, Losing Money with Andrew Bascom, you do focus quite a bit on football. Is that your favorite sport to gamble on? It, it, it is. And in, in, in the Western world, it is by far the, uh, the biggest amount of money uh, bet on is American football. Yeah. I actually have this stat that I that I looked up um, because I'm not, as I mentioned, like not much of a gambler, but I am fascinated by the industry. Uh, sure. There was a study that was done by uh, the University of Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, the Center for Gaming Research, which of course they have there uh, since 1984. Yeah, yeah, of course it would be since yeah. 1984. I want you to rank what you think the top three overall spends were between football, baseball and basketball. Uh, like how much money was spent? How much money betters spent on <sighs> each of the sports? I'm not, so I'm not saying, I'm not asking you to say what the dollar figure is because uh, on our on our video game podcast, oh, when I asked you I about see. sales, you're like, I have no clue. Just yes. rank what was most, second most, and third most. That's really funny. I would I would have to think it's it's football, baseball, basketball based on the 80s, but I I'm, I don't know. Would you tell me? I, I would have expected that as well. Actually, I would have thought baseball would have been number one, but it's not. You're right. Football, their figure mm-hmm. is, and I think this is just within Nevada specifically. Sure. Uh, football is $35.7 billion. Basketball is $24.2 billion and baseball $17.9 billion. Yeah. And you know, you know, what's funny about those numbers too, is because I, every month now, uh, more and more states are legalizing betting. And so, and a big part right. of it is legalizing single game betting or, or bets outside of casinos. A lot of these states like New York that just got legalized a couple of weeks ago have, you know, have certain, like they have racetracks, they have, they have certain ways of gambling, but they now have ones that like DraftKings where you can be on your phone and just make a single bet from anywhere in the state right. and then right. watch the game. And that's, that's a big part. Illinois was uh, like about a year ago before that in Pennsylvania. And now it's going to be most states by, you know, in two years. And every month they report like, you know what? $72 billion was bet last month. And you're like, yeah, you know, the other one too, it's like, it's like post-war shit where like the New York, New York comes out and they're like, uh, it's it, for the first time ever, they get to bet on their phone. And so everyone's just like, ah, just like melting their brains and doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, and so like, it's a little, it's a little bit of a, a lead dog. Like I don't, I, that number will come back down again, but it, it does blow your mind how much, how much action is put out there. Well, if you're if you're used to gambling on your phone, why not also use your phone to tune into Losing Money with Andrew Bascom, uh, your podcast, Andrew? I've mentioned the name a few times. I want you to walk us through sure. what got you, what 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 made you think that you wanted to start this podcast, uh, and and also what separates it from, I think, kind of like what I would consider to be a fairly traditional generic industry of gambling podcasts. How have you managed to set yourself apart and differentiate it? 
Wow. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to start this in general was that I didn't hear people like me talking about uh, gambling. Inherently, sports gambling is incredibly masculine and like there's a lot of like machismo running about it and whale bets and parlays got to be plus 10,000. And like it's almost like a like like an intimidation thing where it's like, if you're not doing this, who are you? You know, it's like Um, Jim Cramer has to talk about how to place bets all the time. It's like that kind of atmosphere. Yeah. It's like belittling, you know, and and I think for the, you, know, you just got to have to be aware, like this goes back to why we we're talking about in the first place, competition and wanting to be right and wanting to be the smartest person in the room. But you also need to be realistic. Most people lose most of the time. The, the gambling industry right. is an incredibly profitable industry, not because people win all the time. So right. they got to You, you got to be realistic about saying the reason why you do this. You know, they, there's an expression always is that what's the they why you buy lottery tickets is not to win, but it's to spend 10 minutes after you bought it fantasizing what your life would be like. <laughs> and and so the reason why you gamble is not really to win. It's so that that game for that two hours, three hours is like entertaining. And you're going down to the last minute going like, come on, I just need two more buckets. And even yes. if you lose, hopefully if you're well within your means, you're like, ah, OK, well, that sucks. But, you know, that thrill of that three hours is the reason you do it. And so. To be realistic and to just just focus on the outcome and just say, you have to win, you have to win, is not part of gambling at all. It's supposed to be fun while you're doing it. And so right. a big part of have fun losing money, you know, the tagline for the whole podcast was like, it's kind of the ethos. You're supposed to have fun while doing it, spending the whole week right now. Like, you know, if I'm not on this podcast with you, I'm looking up numbers right now for the, the, the divisional round for football. And I'm like, oh, okay, who are we going to take? This is part of the thing that gets you excited to do it. It's not cashing the ticket at the end going, ha, 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 I'm the smartest person in the world. Because heads up, right. it's probably not going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, I got to be honest that I, I I would never have imagined myself listening to a, uh, a a gambling podcast because it's just not something that I do. But I think that that what's important about what what you're doing is you're really trying to break open the kind of atmosphere and aura around gambling. Like I've noticed that as well. There's so much about gambling that's like like there, there's no. There's no wedding crashers about gambling. What you have instead is like Uncut Gems, the Adam Sandler movie, where gambling, like there's a little bit of comedy there, but it's a very serious movie. It's Mm -mm. like people who really lean into this as a quote unquote hobby are often portrayed as obsessive. And I like that you're you're kind of showing this uh, uh, this this industry or this this hobby is something that can be more of a hobby and less of something that's all consuming. Uh, Was that part of your intention when, when you started this? Well, for sure, for sure. You know, I think it's, oh, you're right. The, the display is always of gambling. Is, and inherently, even when I speak about it, you can see people going, ooh. Yeah. Like, like, even betting 20 bucks, I've got a, a real problem. You know what I mean? But, uh, right. uh, you know, that was just because I asked them for money. But, but <laughs> yes, is, uh, is that you inherently are believing that, like, it, there's something inherently wrong with it. But there's a downside of every industry. Yes, on the surface, gambling, it's it's very much at the top because the display is always like the guy that loses it all. Oh, I needed this one really badly. But really at the end of the day, it's more of a form of entertainment than anything else. Gambling has been around as long as humans have been around. You know what I mean? We always make the joke that prostitution was the first industry, which is not true because how are people paying for it? But (laughs) they were, but (laughs) gambling was, you know, gambling was from the beginning because I bet you they're like the Fisher person, like bartering for something about racing, whatever. This has been around forever and so much so that it's been around in modern culture longer than we do. For some reason, the 80s and 90s, we did this a lot where we kind of went through this like tisk tisk, 
<laughs> era where we're like, well, we never did this. But in the 70s, in the morning show on the NFL, Jimmy the Greek was sitting there, one of the three guys talking about the games for today. And he was just only talking about gambling. His whole point was to talk about gambling. Now, he was fired for saying something horribly racist. But I, uh, <laughs> but he was there. Like, the gambling was present. And like, so this idea that now all of a sudden, like, well, now all I see is odds and numbers. And they're always talking about gambling. It's like, well, right. they were always talking about gambling. You just weren't listening. So... Um, so, so why did, why did it take so long? Cause you, you know, you, you sit here and you're, you, you talk about how you got into, into the stats and numbers element of, yeah. of, uh, of, of sports and, and gambling as well. Like, like breaking everything down into a spreadsheet. If gambling has been around so long uh-huh. and so much of gambling has revolved around statistics, why did it take so long for some leagues to adopt a stats driven approach? That's a really good question. I, th- I think for the, well, even take away gambling for a second and just make it about numbers. And then you can even talk about how hard it was for somebody to even show up to a hockey rink and go, you know, I actually think it's a lot better if we play like this. I think it's a lot better in a baseball diamond. If we just try and get people on base, I don't care if they walk. No, no, no. They got to hit singles. They got to hit doubles. You know what I mean? This whole now home run and strikeout strategy is like, no, no, get out of here. That was just people that were like incredibly bright and, you know, went to all these like post-secondary education going, I think there's a smarter way to play. And, right. and people, you know, who have been part of the game forever is like, shut up, get away from me. Um, you know, this goes back to my Kyle Dubas thing. But is that I, is <laughs> so, so now just apply on secondary a way of uh, of corruption that people could view. You know, like one of the, sure. the best baseball players of all time is not in the Hall of Fame because of gambling. Now, he, Pete Rose didn't gamble on his own team. So what you want to think about that. And also Hall of Fame is a museum. So it's really stupid. He's not in there. But you know, right. I, that is the insinuation that they're like, well, now they're all going to gamble on this. Uh, I heads right. up, if they wanted to gamble on it before, they can gamble on it now. You know, just because it's not like it's 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 not like it showed up and people were like, you can what? Oh wow, yes, okay, this exactly. is great, awesome. I've definitely didn't think about this. You know, I, I you know um, I forget his name now, but the NBA referee uh, Tim Donaghy, thank you. Is uh, is it, he was the he you're, was, you're welcome. I, I really I really contributed a lot to that. Yeah, the producer was in my ear. Uh, <laughs> was you know he he was gambling on a game in the NBA in the finals uh, and in the in the NBA playoffs in the early 2000s, long before this was all legalized. So to say that this is like a new thing, I think I think everyone needs to like stop clutching their pearls a little bit and be realistic about the world they live in. And to be honest, if anything. These sports leagues have been pushing away a thing that could have been making them a lot of money for a long time. And I, I don't really understand why they didn't partner it. If they partner with it, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of similarities where we live in Ontario with legalization and, you know, decriminalization of marijuana and now there's shops everywhere and stuff like that. There, it, it's kind of one of these things. Well, it's going to happen. So why not find ways to make it profitable for the people involved in it? You know, when, and you're, and you're also, talking about... Like legitimizing or, or having like a gambling website as a sponsorship, yes, for example, for, yes. for the league. And yeah. to legislate it to like, this is the way you can watch it and profit off of it and make sure it's on the up right. and up and somebody's not getting their you know ankles broken for, you know, whatever. So it's just, <laughs> it's more that it's profitable for everyone. It's safer for everyone. And it's, and it's more exciting for everyone because more people are going to watch your game. Uh, like I said, they're going to watch the, the San Jose Sharks and the Kraken at 10 o'clock at night where maybe I wouldn't have watched that otherwise. See, it's, it's so, it's so interesting because one of the things that we always like to get into, or I guess kind of the subtext of this podcast in in general is, you know, obviously we all know sports. We love sports. We watch them just on their face for what they are. I like to watch my team face another team, try to put the Mm -hmm. puck in the net, but every, just the way 
you speak about gambling and 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 it's funny because even using the word gambling when I when I do right there, it almost feels like a dirty word sometimes. I know. Like yeah, like you mentioned the pearl clutching. Like it, it does feel like something that that you're not supposed to be doing. And yet everyone I know who gambles on sports yeah. for I understand there's an exception to this, just like there's an exception to the people who drink too much at a hockey game. Sure. Uh, but you can go and drink and enjoy yourself uh, uh, without without going overboard. But the people yeah. I know who gamble and gamble with some sort of reservation in mind, the amount of enjoyment they get out of a game or or a day's worth of of gambling like like football sunday is something that i've never understood i just yeah. I, I i watch some football primarily on the day of the super bowl that's how i get most of my football watching in which i know most people probably don't want to hear as the host of a, a sports marketing <laughs> podcast um but but if you can imbue that much more enjoyment into it by legislating and regulating and having people kind of uh do it responsibly it does feel like there's just an entire industry that is I, untapped, I guess, in, in, in Canada and North America, at least, but it seems like it's aspects. been incredibly successful throughout the world. Yeah, well, absolutely. There, and like, I don't know, the, also the range of what gambling is to certain people, you know, sure. in our other podcasts in the, in the retrograde, you know, sometimes we talk about video games and video and mm-hmm. there's, there's a big, there's a big push to say that when you can buy add-ons to games, there's a certain gambling aspect to that. To, Let's use, to use NHL 22 as an example to keep it in sure. the sports realm, right? Like, okay. like in, in Ultimate Team, you can, you can do that as well. Yeah, and people have argued, well, that's gambling because it gives you that right. same rush of like, oh, I'm going to put in money and I don't know what I'm going to get. You know, or Pokemon cards that you can physically go pick up like down the street sure. like we were talking about earlier. There is aspects of gambling in all parts of life, but people just don't want to admit to it. And now when you use the word, people, like we're saying, go like, oh God, you know, my, my advice to you two out there is going like, I've never gambled before. I want to get into gambling. Great. Awesome. Welcome. You're degenerate just like us. And I, and I, I, I encourage, I encourage you to have fun. First of all, make a budget. Just make a budget. You should first of all have a budget in normal life anyway. It's good for you. Yes. So it's just add a new byline, make it entertainment and then go, you know, whatever, whatever, based on whatever you're willing to spend, it's like 20 bucks a week. That's what I'm going to spend. And so a big part of like, you know, just to, to get into another thing, a big part of losing money is we're always trying to demystify some of the, some of the code words that people do to gatekeep people outside of this industry. And a sure. big part of that is units. And so people will say, I bet two units on this. And people go, what the, what the hell is that? And it's a way of saying, so you might bet, bet $10,000 a game and I might bet $10 a game. But to us, that amount is a unit. So right. what people will say sometimes is that one unit is 1% of your bankroll, which is the amount that you're willing to spend. So And so it kind of takes away, it actually is more inclusive that you can bet on whatever, you, you can bet the amount that you want and we can still cheer on the same way because it's just as important to us. So oh, I would say- to, I like that, that yeah. So the newcomer, I would say, create a budget, find the amount that you're willing to be put in there. Also in Ontario, single game betting is coming soon and these companies are going to go, here's a free thousand dollars to bet. So yes. have fun with that. Um, is that, you know, find that amount and then just live within it, just like everything else you do, you know? And then if you if you view it that way, it kind of takes away all the, the dirtiness from it and it just becomes just a part of everyday life. So you mentioned two things there. You you mentioned two things there that that kind of lead very nicely into the next little segment that I hey. want to talk about. You talked about the new better, uh, and 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 someone coming on and 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 not sure. really knowing how to get started or, or how to sort of measure things up. And you also talked about the way uh, that the the experienced betters kind of gatekeep by having these terms and words. Uh, 
those are two things that you've directly addressed in losing money with Andrew Bascom, particularly yeah. in your first season, uh, in which you had a segment called Better Better, where you yes. talked about uh, specific terms that are used in the gambling industry or g- gambling world uh, to signify something larger, but are, are kind of very easily boiled down to their to their more understandable parts. And I was wondering mm-hmm. if we could go through a couple of those. Can you can you humor me sure. on that? I'd so if you're to. out there, if you're out there listening, and you are like me, <laughs> thinking, you know, maybe I want to get into gambling, but I'm not sure, sure. how. Here we go. Um, Tell us, Andrew, what is a parlay? Okay, so a parlay is when you need multiple things to happen for you to be paid out. So an easy way of thinking about this is if I want the Toronto Maple Leafs to win and it's minus 200, oh, that's fantastic. I can bet that singly and then I can bet, you know, where my $100 and get $50 back. Fantastic. Uh, If it's a parlay, I need the Leafs to win and the Blues to win. And if they both happen, you get an elevated odds depending on where, where it is. So, an easy way of doing that is that parlays are the really, the really sexy, enticing thing that everyone wants to do. They're going to show off every parlay that, parlay that they have. Actually, if you don't mind, I am just going to rant for a second about something. Is that, yeah, let's is do that it. Parlays, parlays will drive you crazy because social media, now that everybody has fallen in love with, with gambling and sports gambling, they'll, all these uh, gambling you know, algorithm accounts on Instagram or Twitter or something like that will go like, look at this guy. It's a plus 30,000. He bet at 25 cents and now he's, he's a millionaire. And everybody right, will watch right. that and go like, holy shit. Those 25 Sounds cents- Sounds like cryptocurrency as well, it's, which also seems like an element to gambling too, yeah. <laughs> a thousand percent. And so you do this thing where you, yeah, that's actually a really good point, is that uh, the stock market, I've often compared stock market to gambling because they are in essentially the same thing, where you're like, I Feels think like this it. is gonna happen. I'm gonna put my money on this. And then you're proven right or wrong. And a lot of people take credit or blame <laughs> exterior things for losing. <laughs> uh, so so parlays will happen is they'll, they'll show it to you. And then everyone goes like, oh, I gotta bet parlays. And you just, you end up not actually winning anything because you are inherently having these nine, 10, 12 game parlays. And so what I would say to you is just like, have fun with your parlays, make make it very small bets and have one or two, but like, don't lose sight of the fact that single game betting is is the, the reason you do this. But because uh, like parlays, how about this? So Illinois, uh, it was $82 billion in their first three months uh, was spent there. Uh, and 64 of the billion dollars that was earned by, back by the sports books was in parlays. Parlays. This is after gambling was legalized this in is, Illinois. On this is after gambling was legalized in Pennsylvania. The, all I, in Illinois, excuse me. Illinois. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is parlays build casinos. They don't build bankers. <laughs> so just just keep that in mind, okay? But parlays are a great way to to have some fun and see multiples win. I feel like it's also kind of important to point out with a parlay. I mean, Vegas is not stupid. Whomever's making these lines is not stupid. And you've always told me they want even money on both sides, right? So they're right. always going to make it so that there's a, an essentially like with the spread, especially like an equal option, maybe 50, 49% to 51% of a win or a loss. The more of those you add into a single bet, the less likely you are to get them all right, because there's always going to be that small percentage advantage, either by the spread or something that Vegas knows that you don't. You're really walking through a field of landmines when it comes to, to placing a, a parlay there. Oh, absolutely. And I think, Mike, you're touching on something really important that I think is also a common misconception in sports books is that people go, uh, man, they really want the underdog to win on this one. Uh, and we mean casino sports books, whoever right. you're betting with. The That is not true at all. The reason they set lines the way they do is they want equal money on both sides because uh, here's another explaining term that you should know about. It's called the VIG or the juice. Right. And so what happens is minus 110. So the idea is that if I bet $10, I win 950. 
Where does that 50 cents go? It goes right to the pockets of the casino. And that's like a transactional fee, like a bank fee or something like that would be. And they pocket it. And that's why casinos want you to bet. Not because they think everyone's going to lose. It's because the more transactions they get, the more of those 50 cents, dollars, $2, hundreds of dollars that come in. And that's why they want to set odds so that they see the most amount of money on both sides so that they're not liable. They, they, they're not right. cheering for one side or the other. They don't care who wins. They just could take all the money back in again. So it's an important one. I was literally explaining this to someone that was a newcomer yesterday. Uh, is he's like, he's like, wow, they probably want the Rams to win. Right. And you're like, they don't care who wins. Yeah. Sure. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they'll see a 70, 30, but that's also why you see odds move. It, you know, it might be minus six today. It might be minus eight tomorrow because we're seeing too much money on one side. We need to equal it out again. So, oh, so they're, they're actively balancing it. Not because necessarily they know something. They just want to see 50, 50 on either side. Totally. They'll see like an injury and you go, oh, they move the line because they think they're going to win that way. No, they think you think they're going to win more way. So that's why they see the money coming in and they need it to be balanced more on both sides. Isn't it so, I mean, this is just, just, just (laughs) me saying dumb things, but like, isn't it crazy that the, the organization that gambles the least on anything is Las Vegas? (laughs) Like, like the house gambles, not at all. Everything they do is very much predictable. They don't want to place their bets. They want you to place your bets. That's it. They they follow an algorithm like this idea that there is like a guy in the back room going like make it seven like yeah. it, it is not it's not true it's a number that's it's not like the banker and deal or no deal he's just yes, sitting exactly. there with the phone calls yeah 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 like he's sweating he's like I don't know I don't know make it forty three <laughs> over and under I guess I don't know um, no he's he's it's a number that's getting spit out it's like oh the computer says forty two you know like it just goes click 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 click, click uh, and they just rake money in so. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> so just keep that in mind where th- people like to create personality with it, like emotion and emotion right. is like the biggest thing that will kill you in this. So don't like place emotion to this and go on like, ah, they screwed us again. They didn't yeah. do anything, man. <laughs> well, so I want to, I've got two more, uh, uh, betting terms Please. that I want to go over quickly. Uh, one mm-hmm. is a tease. Tell us about a tease. Tease is one of the hardest ones for people to get their head around sometimes. So a tease is essentially a parlay because you need multiple things to happen and you'll get better odds because that. But what you can do is you tease the number. So what will happen is, uh, you know, you don't like its shirt it's wearing or something like that. So you make fun of it for a while. No, it's, it's that you take, <laughs> no, say, say, so say the, the Packers are favored this weekend. Okay. The, paper, the Packers are favored by five and a half. You could tease Is that why the, the Packers game. are called the cheese heads? Because people are teasing them? Yeah, because they're like, oh, you stupid cheese heads. And they're like, damn it, we're going to own this name. Um, so they're, they're favored by five and a half. You could tease the game four points. So what you'll do is you could tease them down and then all of a sudden they will be now favored by one and a half or you mm-hmm. could tease them up and now they'll be uh, you know favored by nine and a half. And so you, you can go four points on either way. I'm just using four as an example. You can make sure. it six, seven, eight, nine, 12. You can go a large ways. I think I got 14 points called a sweetheart tease or something like that because it's just a stupid way of doing it. But then you'll need to do the same thing for another game. And so like another game would be the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. And you're like, I like the Bills. So I'm going to tease them four points. And all of a sudden they are now six and a half point underdogs instead of two and a half. So you can move the line with you. You get lesser odds than a parlay because you're manipulating the line. But it's, it's essentially the same way of doing it. I love that. It, it feels like the more choice you're given, though, it's almost a, an illusion. Like it almost makes it more yes. difficult. The, the illusion of choice makes you feel like you have a better opportunity. Monkey pot uh, situation. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then tell yeah. us about what I believe to be sort of the opposite of that. Uh, explain chalk to us. Chalk. Okay. So chalk comes from a, an old term for carnar, uh, carnival workers. 
uh, where they would find suckers in the crowd and a person would rub chalk on their back of their shoulder. So the other carnies would know. I don't hope that's not an offensive term. The other car- carnival <laughs> workers would go like. We do have a huge demographic of people who travel oh with the circus. God, it, 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 I'm it is, so sorry. You're alienating an entire base, Andrew. <laughs> the letters I'm going to get. Uh, and so the other people would find. They that don't know how to like, write. Carnies don't know how to write. You're not going to tell them. What are you talking about? They would find that person and go, hey, come over here. I bet you could toss a softball in a milk can or whatever like that. The other where where it comes from is that uh, in horse track racing, uh, it used to be before it was digital or monetized or excuse me, you know, uh, mechanized. They used to write chalk on the board going like minus 330, grabbing money. And they would just grab money and start writing. And this guy would be just covered in chalk by the end because Uh. he was usually writing on the favorites. And so chalk is is a term for favorites. Uh, chalk bets are when the favorites come in, uh, in horse racing, especially, but now kind of, it's become an expression for everything. Uh, you know, we have a, we have a popular guest named Charlie Chalk that comes on cause he loves betting the favorites. Uh, and so it's essentially a way of saying favorites or number one or high odds. I love it. And that's actually exactly why I use that as the last term. You know, we talked about the way in which you're trying to sort of add a little bit of levity to the realm of sports gambling with losing money with Andrew Bascom. And uh, one of the ways you do that is you have guests who who come on that that right. are sort of larger than life characters. You've got the Panzerati <laughs> Prince, uh, who... who <laughs> who uh, is is with you just about every week. You've got Charlie yeah. Chalk as well. Uh, really? and, and they all kind of play a role uh, based sort of on their gambling instincts, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. When you, when you first decided you wanted to have a gambling podcast, were, were, can we call them characters? Can we, can we speak oh, yeah. about oh, them? Yeah. Cause oh, no, 100%. they are kind of playing characters and it's almost, it's almost like on a comedy podcast, how you would have a person coming on, pretending to be so much one way and yet it's yes. for gambling it's it's kind of a breath of fresh air was that the yeah. base premise of the podcast or did that come to you afterwards no that was always the base premise i i surrounded myself with these people that would live in anonymity but they're really just playing themselves in a large part mm-hmm. except when you don't have to say your own real name and all the the confidence and machismo of of gambling gets lost you can really say like I think this is going to happen because Tom Brady's the best, or I, I think this is going to happen because I, I hate the Tennessee Titans. And, sure. and you're channeling the you know, Panzerati Prince, I think, right there. Oh, 100%. Panzerati <laughs> Prince, right? You know, Charlie Chalk is just like, it's cold, so the score is going to be low. And, like, <laughs> and it, whether that's not true, but you can't break that cycle for certain people. And sure. so I have, you know, a cycle of really three kind of popular guests that come on, like Panzerati Prince, who's just, you know, very emotional and has fun and can't get away from it. Charlie Chalk, who's somewhere in the middle and follows a little bit of numbers and follows a little bit of his heart. And then I have the gambler on the other end who does a lot of teases and parlays and, and things like that. And he's completely analytical. And and they show the range of where your thinking can be. And so when we, on the playoffs, especially for the NFL, what we're doing right now is that we will all take the same games. And to see the range of how they came right. to those decisions can help, you know, inform somebody at home going like, you know, oh, okay, good to know. Because if I watch NFL Live and they just scream at me for feeling bad about taking the Chargers or something like that, it gives you a range of going like, oh, so there is many different colors to the spectrum instead of all being shocked that the same thing doesn't happen to everybody. Yeah, it, and that's kind of that's some of the feedback I I I, I hear quite a bit. As well. I am a producer on that podcast, so I do hear a yes, lot of are. feedback that that goes as well. And and it's often the fact that 
you know, talking about the same game, it's not even necessarily about the fact that the the people, the characters who come on, give different results and different uh, mm-hmm. uh, different different bets. It's not that you settle on I'm betting for this team and this person's betting for another team. It's the way in which they reach that decision because you mm-hmm. have so many different voices and personalities. It's very easy to find the one that kind of speaks to you. It's, it's the voice mm-hmm. that like, oh, that's my reasoning. That's my logic. So how, how am I usually, usually thinking about this? And then Charlie Chalk, for example, who's the person that right. I tend to gamble the most like, says something mm-hmm. and it echoes exactly what I was thinking in my head. And therefore, it isn't like what you said where it's where it's a show where someone's yelling at you for not picking the right thing. It's feeling exactly. like you're you're making a choice with some sort of camaraderie among friends, <laughs> you know, putting putting the yeah. fun back in gambling as opposed to making it about the bottom line. I entirely, and the, the whole point of this podcast is that you're gambling with people. That is the best way of gambling. You can mm-hmm. be texting with your friends. You call someone at halftime. You're like, what are we doing? What's going on? Oh my God, this kind of thing. To feel camaraderie right. in it is amazing because you really want to, all you're trying to do is avoid that thing where two plays happen and you're like, oh my God, I've lost. Oh my yes. God. Like you didn't even <laughs> need to see the rest of the game. You immediately are like, how did I screw this up so bad? And so, you know, to, to have that, you know, somebody to lean on and stuff like that is kind of the fun one. Uh, the, the, the fun reason for doing the podcast in general, there's a huge aspect of since the growth of gambling has happened, especially with the rise of social media, um, these people called tots or tats, or depends how, it depends how you see it, um, are people that go out there and go like, they make you pay for picks and say, right. I'm coming out making picks, but you're going to subscribe to my channel to do things. Never follow these people. <laughs> like, never, yes. ever, ever give your money for someone to teach you how to gamble or tell you how to gamble. It's just an insanely stupid thing to do. And it's inherent, an inherent evil in this industry. And that's another part of why we started losing money. It should be, it should be fun and open and, you know, relaxing. And it should not be something that people are taking advantage of you doing. And so a big tagline, we give up free daily picks at losing money, uh, WAB on, on Instagram and Twitter. And a huge part of it is saying always like, do not pay for picks. Like the, these people, why yes. in the world, if, if you say they're Marty McFly that came back from the future and they know all the answers to everything because of the sports almanac, then, <laughs> and then they knew everything. Why in the world would they ever share it with you? Why in the world are they on Twitter going like, yeah, I'm living in a basement apartment, but I'll tell you who I picked in the baseball game. You're like, (laughs) come on. Like, let's just be reasonable. All you're doing, all you're doing is funding their gambling addiction. You're basically paying for their loss. If you, if you pay for their picks, they're just going to take your money and, and instead of spending their own on their picks, they're going to use yours and hope for the best. Uh, Oh my God. Now we, we talk a lot about the, the podcast specifically losing money with Andrew Bascom. We've also had Frank Krupe of the hockey Illuminati on this podcast before. And he did something very similar to what you did. Uh, he had a podcast going, the Hockey Illuminati podcast. A lot of people know about it, but a lot of people know that name, uh, who, by the way, I've just confirmed he's going to be a guest, I think, on in February. So keep keep an eye oh, out right. for that if you're interested. Uh, but he sort of shifted to other realms of social media like TikTok, Instagram, Twitter to get these daily mm-hmm. picks or, or daily videos for him, but for you, daily picks out there. Yep. And you've seen a lot more uh community interaction uh what what has been the main difference in your mind of uh of of putting out a weekly podcast and sometimes you're doing it multiple times a week versus the daily picks that the people are going to find on social media yeah it's it's this never ends you know whether you're you're betting on dagestani soccer you know like during the pandemic or you're betting on you're waiting for the super bowl which is you know the biggest single uh, gambled event of the year so you know you can be many things, but it really never stops. And so if you want to keep up with it and keep active and, you know, just have, it's really in a lot of ways, a hobby, 
um, you don't have to wait till Friday. That's kind of the always joke we make. Like, you want to make free daily picks on NCAA basketball? Let's do it because I'm doing it. So, sure. and it's a way just to keep staying engaged and to keep conversations going about certain things. And and what we found is that we've you know great listeners or great followers that care about one thing more than the other. Like, we will will always have a podcast about uh, if a big UFC uh, card happens and. Uh, and th- those people will just tune in just for that. And then people will tune in for the NFL. And it's really hard to ignore the NFL when it's happening because it's just so big. But it's right. nice to engage these different people at different times when, you know, it could be just on a Tuesday and talk about, like I was talking about, like a basketball game. And then people come out of the woodwork and go like, oh, I really want to talk about this. Oh, great. Awesome. I haven't heard about you. And then they go and I'll say something like, oh, I made that pick on the podcast. They're like, you have a podcast? I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Uh, it's, it's like people can engage in different ways, which is exciting. Yeah, it feels like just a, a, a way of building this brand. And what I like about calling it a brand is is that it does feel a very different from a lot of the, like the 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 starburst and the neon of like, even the way that sure. people brand their gambling apps, like Bodog or something yes. like that. It all feels very like punchy in the throat while you're making mm-hmm. a gambling pick. Like it's very yes. hardcore. Uh, there is a, a levity that I've, like I mentioned before, to, uh, to, to the brand that you've made. And I highly recommend people check it out. Most of your podcast episodes are about, uh, you, you say it's the 20, ish minute sports gambling podcast uh, sometimes they go a little bit longer especially with the longer. onset of the nfl playoffs uh with that said we're actually going to be doing a feed drop on the sign off so if you subscribe to the sign off podcast which i'm assuming if you're listening to this you already do if you're watching over on youtube make sure you also subscribe to the podcast and vice versa uh where we're mm-hmm. showing the video if you want to see what andrew looks like check us out on youtube you'll be ah. able to do that um uh but we're going to be doing a feed drop so this friday when the losing money with andrew bascom episode launches it's also going to yeah. go into your feed under the sign off to give you a little bit of a tease with regards to what that show is about and if you like it definitely go subscribe to that same old same old rate review all that stuff andrew why don't you leave us off with one uh we're going into the uh into this week of the playoffs i know you're a buffalo Mm -hmm. bills fan uh there's probably a ton of games you're going to be betting on is there uh one bet that you can give us going into this week of the nfl playoffs oh absolutely so the number one the number one bet is going to be my, my favorite pick last weekend was the Kansas City Chiefs minus 12 and a half. And by halftime, I think everyone was cashing out on that one feeling good. This week, it's going to be the Green Bay Packers minus five and a half uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers tried everything they could to vomit all over themselves and lose that game against Dallas. And now everyone is just going like making fun of Dallas, but forgetting that there was a second dance partner in this whole thing. And that was San Francisco. Yes. Kyle Shanahan has got a real problem with coughing up the end of these games. And Green Bay right now, no matter how you feel about, uh, you know, not a doctor, Aaron Rodgers, that they are the best team in the league. So they're, and they've just been waiting around, just sitting out for a week, just on the bye. Right. Minus five and a half right now before it gets under that seven, which is a key number. Under the seven uh, feels great. So Green Bay Packers minus five and a half. I love it. Uh, Andrew, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're about to uh, to turn the mics off and record another podcast, which is The Retrograde. Ah. If you've liked this back and forth <laughs> and you're a fan of video games, uh, you can go listen to The Retrograde, a video game podcast as well, also available on all your podcast platforms of choice as well as YouTube. Andrew Bascom, you can find him yes. at Losing Money WAB on Twitter and Instagram. Anything else you want to plug in the meantime? Well, I just I just want to say to everyone's listening right now, thank you very much for supporting Sad Styles Productions. We, Mikey and I, help each other out with our different uh, podcasts. So if you're supporting this, you're supporting me, and if you're supporting mine, you're supporting Mikey. And I just want to say thank you very much for doing this. This is a great podcast, and uh, and we appreciate everyone listening. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Once again, for Andrew Bascom, the host, producer, engineer, and everything in between of Losing Money with Andrew Bascom (laughs) at Losing Money, WAB, and myself, Mikey Aaronworth, this has been the Sign Off Podcast, and this is us signing off. Go Bills. (laughs) 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!